morning. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Happy Mother's Day. Before we get started, one more announcement that we wanted to throw out there. Our church movement puts together a, a regular newsletter of sorts. We have a lot of copies. Brad has those. If anyone would like these, just kind of a, an update on what's happening in our movement around the world. And there is a feature article, which you can't see, but I'll hold it up anyway, right here on Vintage Faith in Manhattan, Kansas, which, as most of you know, is a church that sprang from our church. We planted there. There's a picture of their new home that they've been working diligently on. Um, some words from Rick in there. So, uh, please read those and be encouraged. Hopefully, you'll be encouraged. Um, you all probably remember that we are going through memory verses this year, trying to do a verse a week. You can see the memory verse is up there. I don't know how many of you carry these around. Mine is very worn because it's been in my pocket a lot. But we have a very common verse this week, so I thought maybe I'd give everybody a minute or two to practice your verse with your neighbor, and then someone can stand up and we'll cheer for you as you get it right. So go ahead. like to volunteer to stand up and do your verse? Do the verse? Anyone? Oh, my mom would like to do the verse. All right. probably a good transition to the next item, which is, as you all know, today is Mother's Day. I see a a large number of mothers out there, and we just would like to honor you and give you all a round of applause. So if you are a mother, could you please stand up and let's everyone give them a hand. Stay standing if you would, moms. We have some special gifts on the back there. If you all could go ahead and just take a moment and file through and and pick one or two that you like. I think we've got plenty back there on the back table just as our way of recognizing you and thanking you for your service in our lives and in our church. Go get one, Emily. Welcome again 
to the firehouse this morning. Um, my name is Greg, and we will go ahead and pray, and then I'll get started with the message. Yeah, Heavenly Father, we are so thankful uh, for the mothers you've placed in our lives, Lord, our own and the ones that are around us. God, I pray that you would bless them today, but not just today, every day, Lord. Give them... just give them extra grace as they raise children and for those that are done raising children, Lord, and I pray that you would give them the reward of children who are filled with faith and, and walking with you. I pray that you'd bless this time, you'd make us hearers. Lord, I pray that you would speak around me this morning. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, for those of you who don't know, um, teaching on Mother's Day is not exactly the prime Sunday to teach during the year. And you'll notice that conveniently Rich and Jeff were, were both out of town this weekend. And Brad is getting married in three weeks and taught last week. So Mother's Day fell to me. <laughs> um, for those of you who don't know, I'm a deacon here at the firehouse. Um, and of course, I am pleased to teach here on, on Mother's Day. Um, my day job uh, is I'm an architect and I work for an architecture engineering company here in town. How many of you here are engineers? Anyone? An engineer, yes. But working in an architecture engineering company means I get to tell engineering jokes. And my favorite... My favorite is how can you tell an extroverted engineer? Instead of staring at his own shoes, he's staring at your shoes. (laughs) No. I really do. I love engineers. It's a pleasure to work with them. Um, And I do have a passion for buildings, and I enjoy my job because I get to work together with people to create big, useful places that all kinds of people get to use. Um, I was really excited. I found out that um, tomorrow, uh, actually a project I've been working on for a number of years for the Forest Service in Fort Collins, they just broke ground on it this last week, and tomorrow the United States Secretary of Agriculture is going to come visit my project. Uh, I think the governor of our state is going to be there. Um, so that's kind of an exciting thing for me. I've also been working on a, a project at the Air Force Academy. It's a renovation to the, their dining hall for the cadets. Um, I've been working on that one for about three years and probably will be working on it for another three years. Um, but that, uh, that facility, uh, presidents have eaten in that facility and we expect Air Force leadership and all the way up to the president to eat there again. So it's kind of fun to, to have a hand in, in projects that important people will use. Um, as part of as part of enjoying and, and liking architecture and buildings, you can see I, I took the liberty of creating the slideshow this week. And um, here's your your quiz. Does anybody know what this building on the on the left here is? Does anyone know what this building is? Do you recognize it? My dad knows. <laughs> Jake, do you know what it is? Yes, that's correct. It is the Guggenheim Museum in New York City. Um, has anyone seen the movie Men in Black? Remember in the opening scene, Will Smith is chasing the alien, and the alien climbs up the side of this building. Well, this building is designed as one long spiral that loops all the way to the top. It's a museum that display art. You see Will Smith running up the ramp to chase this alien. Like it was seriously taking like 20 minutes to get all the way up this building while the alien climbed up the top. But anyway, that's just a little piece of architecture for you. 
your enjoyment there this morning. Um, <clears throat> as we get into this, I wanted to pay a little tribute to um, the moms who have influenced me the most. You've already seen my mom. Did I get it? Here she is. <laughs> This is my mom, Diana Miller. She's raised three kids. Um, my sister is 18 and will graduate from high school at the end of this year. Yeah, it's in there clapping. That's right. It's just this month. Um, what this means is that she she's had just three kids, right? But she's had at least one child at home for 33 years. Uh, those of you who know Rick and Eva who planted the church in, in Manhattan, they've had seven kids and they had them at home for, I think, about six or seven years less than that. So... They, my parents are, are long-suffering, for sure. Uh, this picture of my mom was taken, I think, mom, wasn't it just a couple months before you all got married at the age of 24? I don't guess when the picture was taken, uh, I, and I won't tell you how old she is now. Um, the second... Of course, the second mother that's influenced me is my wife. Uh, this is my dear and sweet wife in the picture with me. Um, she's devoted her life to herding the little turkeys we have at home, as some of you know. Um, and she's also devoted herself to keeping me in shape and dressed and fed, etc. Um, this picture was taken eight years ago this month, and in fact, uh, five years ago today, she was in labor with Reeve, our first child. He was born five years ago tomorrow. Um, but I would say that over time, she has only gotten more beautiful, more patient, more kind, and more loving as time has gone by. I, on the other hand, have simply gotten older, as you can see from the picture. So, what... When I, when I came to this teaching, I said, well, geez, you know, I, I'm an architect, and I'm a deacon, I'm a father, but one thing I'm not is a mother. So I'm really not an expert at being a mother, so I thought, well, how can I talk about motherhood? Well, I thought to get back in my comfort zone, I'd look at motherhood in the Bible, and I found this striking similarity between architecture and motherhood. Okay, so, so maybe a computer guy like Brad or, or Jeff or Rich would have titled this message, The Programming Code of Motherhood. I don't know. So maybe just to get back in my comfort zone, we're going to ask the question today, how are mothers like architecture? The first way, our first point, is that mothers are foundational. So, I don't know if you can read it. I apologize if the words are small, but I'll read them all for you. What, why is the foundation of a building so important? Can anyone, anyone answer that question? It holds the building up. Thank you, Alan. That's correct. That's very simple. It's a very simple thing, but it's very important. Does the Bible have anything to say about foundations? Yes, it does. The New Testament alone uses the word foundation over a dozen times for a whole variety of illustrations. Um, this morning I wanted to focus on uh, Matthew chapter 7. Verses 24 and 25 um, and 26. Um, apologize if it's small. I didn't put them on the slide. You're welcome to turn there. I will read it for you. This is Jesus speaking. He says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. 
The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. So obviously, I think this passage talks about a person's own decisions and how they influence the response to the crises in life. But I think we can take this illustration and apply it to parenting, especially to mothering. So, you might ask, what do I know about building a foundation? I'm not sure if you can see these pictures here, but uh, when I was a student at the University of Washington, I got to be involved in a construction project where we designed and built uh, a new face to a garden in downtown Seattle. Um, and you can see, you can kind of see here this sort of snaking concrete wall. It's about four feet tall and about 250 feet long, composed of little tubes that we filled with concrete. And I wish I had a picture, but it was my job on this project to pour every single one of these by hand buckets of concrete over and over and over the picture on the right here you can see um, we didn't have a truck to bring these up so we, we handed bag to bag to bag to bag to person all the way up the hill and this is actually me here you can kind of see my face peeking out on me I was hiding I didn't want to be in the picture I think on that one so I know a little something about this just so you have an idea of this project we carried 1,512 bags of concrete Concrete. Each one weighed 60 pounds. Uh, we used 360 linear feet of steel rebar. We had 480 feet of these cardboard tubes that made the forms for all of these walls. We used three cubic yards of sand, which had to be brought in by wheelbarrows, as well as 12 cubic yards of crushed rock, nine cubic yards of gravel, and a lot of broken backs, I think, by the time we were done with this. Um, so that's maybe my hands-on experience with a foundation. Um, and so you could ask, what is the challenge in, as we build a foundation? Um, the first challenge is that it's very messy. Um, this is a project I worked on here in Denver. You can see they're doing some foundation work. Um, these poor guys are very dirty. They go home very dirty at the end of the day. Uh, it's a very glamorous job. Um, to pour concrete, you have to build forms out of wood, which is a very tiresome, tedious process, and you've got to get it exactly right so the concrete will be right. But at the end of the day, uh, once the concrete is poured and set, they tear those forms down, so you do a lot of work that doesn't stay in place. Um, you know, except for nerds like me, nobody actually photographs foundations. There's not a lot of recognition. Um, these, these guys, when they were done, they walked off the site and no one was there giving them a hand saying, good job on the foundation, right? So there was no, there was really no recognition uh, for doing that. But what's really challenging about building a foundation is that you have to get it absolutely right. Um, a project, not this one, but another project um, that I worked on is just a couple blocks from here. This is in Jefferson Park, right down by Mile High Stadium. Um, as they were pouring the foundation, they discovered um, that there was a piece of this foundation that was underground that was falling to pieces. 
they, uh, the contractor had not poured it right and he was really fortunate. It was just by chance that he happened to discover this. And it was a good thing that he had because if he'd not discovered this, they would have built the rest of the building on top of it and now we would be in lawsuits because the building would be falling down. So it's, it's really, really important that even though it's unseen, you've really got to get it right. Um, and that's, that's, I think, what we can translate to life, is that in life you really have to get your foundation right, or everything else your life is built upon is going to be really challenging, and it's going to be crooked, it's going to be on a level, it could fall down. Um, and it's really important to know that when you have a good foundation, um, even the most drastic storm damage, you know, this passage talked about the wind and the rain and the streams rose. Um, when you have a good foundation, uh, you have a chance to, to start over without starting from scratch, or sometimes your house will even stand up. And I hope you can see this picture here. Um, this home, uh, this is Gilchrist, Texas. Uh, this photograph was taken last fall, shortly after Hurricane Ike hit Texas. Uh, this was in a neighborhood of homes like it. As you can see, as far as the eye can see, it's just devastation. Um, but this house had a good foundation. Um, that's actually why uh, the quote from a government official, what he said about this house, he said, quote, I thought if I were ever to build a house on the coast, I'm going to contact the guy who built this. End quote. Yeah, pretty incredible. But I think you can begin to see how... Think of this as a person. Think of this as a child. And someone laid a good foundation for that child and all the other people around them fell and were crushed. Um, and I'd say this, my mom and my dad were excellent foundation builders. And all the choices I've made, such as going to school and getting married and having children and serving in this church and helping to plant the firehouse, all those decisions have sprung from the foundation they built with such great effort, perseverance, and without a lot of thanks. Moms, you have to engage in this, this messy, dirty work, so that the result is this with your kids. The winds and the rains will come, and the question is, will you have prepared your kids for this? The next way that I think mothers are like architecture is that mothers are monumental. So does anybody know what this is a picture of besides my parents? The Lincoln Memorial. That's right. Um, and so why do people create monuments of architecture? Well, I, I can think of four things. One is for memory. One is because an, an event or a person was important. Another was to create something that's permanent. Another thing is to give recognition. So, I said motherhood, mothers are monumental. So what is the monument to motherhood? Oh. We're going to read another verse in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1, verse 5. I said this is important as we're normally going through Acts here on Sunday mornings. We're, we're about to meet Timothy. Um, this is the second letter Paul wrote to Timothy. Um, in this verse, he, he says something which I think is very important. In verse 5 of chapter 1, Paul's talking to Timothy and he says, Your sincere faith which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. And I think in that small sense is the monument to motherhood. And that monument is the legacy of godly children living in faith. 
So you say, well, what, what does that mean? Like, how is that really a monument? How is that a legacy? Well, we're going to do a little math here to compare a career in motherhood versus another career. And let's take, for example, my great career in architecture, right? Uh, I was just talking with some people in house church this week. Um, I always laugh because architects appear in movies a lot. Um, and they kind of get glamorized. And so it's like, okay, fine, I have a glamorous career, even though I don't think that I really do. Architecture is not really like the movies. But let's just compare the glamorous career with that of, of motherhood, right? Okay, so let's take an average Christian mom like, say, my wife. Okay, she's going to take 25 years. See if you can see that. 25 years, and let's say she raises just just three godly kids. Maybe she'd have more, maybe she'd have less. Let's just say on average, three kids. It'd take her 25 years, she'd be done raising kids. Alright? Then in the next 25 years, her three kids, let's say they have three godly kids each, and it takes them 25 years. So then, for her working just 25 years at raising kids, after 50 years, she's going to have 12 godly offspring, right? The three kids, plus there's three kids, each have three kids. So, let's keep going. That's pretty cool, right? Now, her grandkids, let's say each of them, they've done, they all done their job, and they all average three godly kids each over the next 25 years, right? At this point, she is 100, right? If she started at the age of 25, and it took 25 years to raise kids, and then another 25 years for those kids to raise kids in another 25 years she'd be 100 so my mom will probably live to 100 and I hope my wife lives to 100 a lot of people won't but that, there's, she's at 100 and then let's go 25 more years so that it's 100 years after her kids were born great grandkids let's say they had three godly kids each so what is the fruit she spent 25 years and after 100 years 120 godly offspring pretty awesome huh now let's talk about my career okay <laughs> So in my job, let's, let's be real generous. And let's say that I have four buildings that get built every 10 years. That's pretty generous. I've been in the business almost 10 years. Maybe it's four. I've done a lot of other renovations, and we won't count those. Let's say four buildings every 10 years. Maybe a few more in some 10 years, and a few less in the next 10 years. And let's say I work for 50 years, right? So I'm working twice as long as my wife at doing this. So in 50 years, you do the simple math. That's 20 buildings are going to be built, which I think is a joke. I don't think it would be that many, but let's just say for the purpose of math that that's what it is. Okay. Buildings generally have a 50-year lifespan. Most of these buildings I work on for the federal government, they're about 50 years old and they need to be replaced or totally renovated because they're falling to pieces. Okay, so in 50 years, I've got a 50-year career, and let's go out another 100 years. Do you know how many buildings are going to be left from my, my work? Zero. <laughs> And you know what? This is just talking about the physical realm. They've left out the key factor, which is who's going to leave an eternal legacy. Are my buildings going to be in heaven? Is it going to be my wife or the architect? I love that picture. <laughs> As you just see me at work, hmm. Beautiful design. Uh-oh, what did I do? Did I do it? So let's talk about our career legacies here. This is my wife's career legacy. I have three children. My career's legacy. So you can see why I think mothers are monumental. 
The next way mothers are like architecture is that mothers are to be honored. Exodus 20.12, part of the Ten Commandments. Hopefully you're all familiar with the Ten Commandments. This commandment says, Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land of the Lord your God is giving to you. So here's a question for you. What does it mean to honor your mother? So I'm going to show you a picture of how an architect gets honored. I understand it's blurry it's a little small I can read this to you this is at that dining hall at the Air Force Academy this is a this is a temporary plywood wall and they put a a little vinyl banner up and you can kind of see here it says architect Samuel Engineering which is the company I work for and also the engineer that says please pardon the inconvenience as we build for future generations of Air Force leaders so I got my name on a building but this is gone because this was in the first days of construction and it's all been torn down so this is the honor I got and you know I would say look the president is going to come eat in this building you think maybe I should have a little more honor for the work I put in to serve our country you know really what this should read instead of please pardon the inconvenience I think it should say you are inconvenienced by the following people as you strive to become a future Air Force leader <laughs> they might as well put my phone number right down here so people can call me and say I can't eat food here right it's kind of a joke right but I'm not bothered by this I'm really not because God doesn't command us to honor architects in fact if you read Hebrews 3.4 it says uh, for every house is built by someone but God is the builder of everything and so he's really the one who's worthy of honor not me so how do you honor your mom I'm sure you can see that Proverbs 10.1 it says the following a wise son brings joy to his father but a foolish son grief to his mother. Read that again. A wise son brings joy to his father, but a foolish son grief to his mother. So how do you honor your mom? The answer from this verse is simple. It's how you choose to live. You notice God doesn't put a time frame in that verse. There's no time frame on your relationship with your mom. It doesn't say, a foolish son brings grief to his mother until the age of 20. Or, a foolish child brings grief to his mother. No, it says, a foolish son. Or, a foolish daughter you could put in there as well. So, this is my question for you, is how have you been living? Are you honoring your mom with your life, or have you been a fool? So do you think that picking up a card and making a phone call on Mother's Day is a sufficient way to honor your mom? Just this week I was in a store um, in the Mother's Day card section, as I hope many of you were. Um, and as I was looking through cards, as two girls came by and one in sort of a loud voice said, Oh, is this weekend Mother's Day? Maybe I should get my mom a card. I think she'd like that. She flipped through a couple cards and she found one. She said, Oh, this is good. It has flowers on it and it says something about God. My mom loves Jesus, so that should be good. And then she picked up and walked off. So she hadn't happened to bump into the Mother's Day card stand and hadn't happened to see this card. Would there be any honor for her mom? You know, I think that's like this. 
when you do that for your mom and you say oh Mother's Day is the only way I'm going to honor my mom I'll, I'll think of her one day and just give her a card or maybe a call it's just like this this is the kind of honor you're giving your mom I think you're potentially causing grief to your mother you, you, know, you might say okay I love my mom and I, and I honor her now but you know what I was a fool in the past I live foolishly and I would say to you you need to humble yourself and maybe you should seek forgiveness from your mom um, maybe you engage in a lifestyle of bad habits and maybe the consequences of those habits put your mom to shame if so you've really sinned against God by not obeying the commands in these verses we've been talking about you know or maybe you were disrespectful as a teenager maybe you displayed a bad or self-righteous attitude even if you were a believer when you were a teenager I was really encouraged by my wife several years ago she was convicted by this and realized that even though she was a believer as a teenager her mom was not a believer when she was a teenager and she realized that she'd been really disrespectful and um, had not had a good attitude towards her mom so she humbled herself and she approached her mom and said mom you know what I haven't I didn't live the right way and I didn't treat you with honor and respect and she sought forgiveness and that was a real example to me I hope it would be an example to you of um, maybe doing some have to have a little retrospective and, and think about um, if there's some forgiveness you need to seek from your mom today um, if not today on Mother's Day then what day right um, the final way that mothers are like architecture is that mothers are essential yes I do believe architects are essential to building projects it's probably because I am an architect so what happens when there's not an architect overseeing the project I'm going to show you some pictures I think my minivan would probably bottom out both at the bottom and at the top of that driveway it's a pretty good stairway if you're Spider-Man Somebody forgot the level on these windows. Hope you're not on your porch when the express comes by. So that's what I think happens when an architect's not involved in a project. So what happens when there's not a mother involved in raising children? You think up with a fool. <laughs> So I think we all know adults who may not dress like this, but I think we know adults who act like this. So how do we prevent our next generation from looking and acting like this? Let's look at Proverbs 22, verse 6. Um, claim this verse a lot in our own lives. It says, Train a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. So we all like this verse as a church, right? We think first of our children, we say, yes, discipline. Yes, no free-range children running around in the back, right? But let's not forget that this is a command. And it's a command to who? It's a command to parents. It's a command to mothers. So how do you keep from making a fool? How did someone get a life foundation that will result in joy and not grief? It's simple. The verse says it. It's by training from mom and dad. I'm really encouraged and inspired by the women I see here who've devoted themselves to raising their kids. 
you're all just an inspiration to me, an example of the obedience and self-sacrifice to God for the sake of others. I truly believe if God is just, then your reward in heaven will be far greater than mine could ever be. And to those of you who someday may become mothers, I want to encourage you to consider your path. Consider how you can be obedient to God in the future in this area. I encourage you to look at these women and try to emulate them. As you consider what it means to obey God in the training up of your children, you must ask yourself this question. Is it more important to me to be able to tell others, I'm a such and such, I'm a dental hygienist, instead of I'm a full-time mom? Or is it more important to you to dedicate your life to obeying God's command to train your kids? See, that's really the issue, is obedience. You know, I've rarely found instances where obedience doesn't require the sacrifice of my own desires. Now, I'm not talking about single moms, about those of you who are in tough financial situations. I'm not going to stand here and condemn those of you who've made choices about careers. That's between you and God. I'm not your judge. But the key issue is definitely not your circumstances. It's your heart. Are you obeying God? Or are you serving yourself? I want to point out that what our world wants you to think is that you have to double up with home and at the office. That you have to do this to have a meaningful life or to obtain the possessions that you should or whatever. But you know what? You can't double up. Not if you want to do one or the other well. Look at these moms around you who sacrificed another career for their kids. Most of them have faced ridicule in places like the grocery store or the coffee shop. Some have been criticized by their parents, even brought to tears by the burden of their parents' expectations. And I would bet most of them have had days where the challenges of the job make them wish they could hide in a cubicle rather than change one more diaper or answer one more time the question, why? But mothers and aspiring mothers, I implore you, do not let this world rip you off. Motherhood is an essential, vital profession with consequences which affect not only your own children, but as we saw, the lives of future generations. It affects the peers and colleagues who your kids will influence. And most importantly, it's going to affect the eternal destiny of the souls of your kids and their kids and their kids and all the people they influence. So my encouragement to you is this. Consider carefully how you can obey God and then act out that obedience. Don't hesitate to seek out the counsel of godly moms who are on the same path. So that was all I had. I want you all to remember we're not raising fools in this church. If you ever see any of my kids dressed like this, please let me know. I, I want to close with this thought. Regardless of where you're at, moms, you deserve honor and recognition for the roles that you play or have played in our, in our lives, in our kids' lives. And as a church... Speaking on my behalf and on behalf of the pastors and the others here, we are gratefully indebted to you. So, one more time, can everyone give moms a big hand? All right, we'll pray. Thank you, Lord, for our moms. Lord, 
I'm so thankful for the ones who have influenced me, Lord, and for each mom who's here this morning and part of our church. Lord, I pray that you'd give extra grace to those mothers who are raising their kids, Lord. I pray you'd give them a desire for obedience. I pray for each of us in our lives that we would uh, seek to honor our moms every day with the way that we live, that we would bring joy by being wise and not grief by being foolish. I pray that you would honor our moms and Lord that uh, we would see the fruit in the coming generations of their efforts. Bless us this day in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Well, I hope you all have a good day. Honor your moms. Thank you.